to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total photonic reversal. Photonic reversal. With your host, Cody Broadcasting from the secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. Thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. What an excellent professional segue that was. 150 people with a massive crowd, you know. You know, I kind of know the sound man for Rob Zombie. And presenting you the illusion of choice. See anything wrong with, you know, being into the stuff you're into? Yeah, it's a very good question. I like that because that'll be getting a middle of an end. Could not be more professional. Get you pumped up. We have answers. It means something. And welcome to it. Hi, Josh. Hi, Conan. How's it going? It's going great. We How got, are you? We, we've got an on-air light, and it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's illuminated, which means we are on-air and professionally broadcasting. Super professional, dude. Well, at least it means we're on-air. <laughs> I, 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 I have complete faith that that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I have no proof, but all of the faith in the world. Right, absolutely. Well, you know, episode 96, 96. I think it's 96. <laughs> sure. Sure. It all starts to, you know, it's just like they say, the 90s are just a blur, man. You're, just, you're doing so much partying. Oh, if and, you remember uh, it, you weren't there. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, Christ. Brought to wow. a great start. Hey, uh, so we have a great guest today. We're going to be talking to Mr. Jay Robbins. Yeah. Jawbox, Burning Airlines, Government Issue, Office of Future Plans, uh, Channels. Roll Kicker Laydown. <laughs> I thought you were going to save that. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saving that for him, okay, but I can okay, bring it up now. Fine. Good, 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 good. So just just to know, just know that we're adequately prepared and yeah. that uh, it's, we, we'll be ready come magic time. So that's a... Uh, <laughs> That's an important thing. Uh, God, lots of stuff happened since last time. Uh, we had all tomorrow's impeachments with a former guest, Brian Pennington, from last yes. episode. Yes. Incredible. Uh, what Incredible. a fantastic, fantastic bill. Uh, yeah, we covered it because you went Friday and I went Saturday. Right. He says it was adequately covered. <laughs> yeah. We, we make sure that we have all of the coverage that we need we to need professionally to broadcast exactly. to you, dear people. Yeah, did you... Uh did you hear about the Saturday at all? On the Saturday, I, show I heard bit? that uh, Mr. Steve Albini, also former guest of the show and friend of the show, was uh, sort of pulling some MC duties. A little bit, yeah. That's he what uh, I hear, right? Is that is that accurate? Yes, as he put it, he felt uh, 
he uh, felt that he should at least do something because uh, Shellac was obviously unable to play due to the right. uh, unfortunate uh, bike accident. So he offered to introduce uh, all of the bands, should they choose. Uh, anyone in the audience, if they wanted to be introduced to each other, he would facilitate. He was just an introducing <laughs> machine. <laughs> There's just any any people that uh, you know want to, I don't know, be on Friendster. Like yeah. he'll, he'll suggest to you. He was ready. He's, he's at the ready. <laughs> that's that's Steve Albini for you. What a bench. What a, what, a, what, a, what a cool guy. Uh, that's a uh, yeah. It was a great time. Uh, it, yes. it was a all the bands were fantastic. We we had. Uh, Poster Children, yes. uh, Rick Valentin was uh, also former guest of the show. Their set was amazing. Yeah, doing lots of new stuff. They're in the studio right now. Yeah, they are literally in the studio right now as we record this. People, this yeah. is this is uh, this this is up to the minute. As opposed to the fact that when we had Ryan on, there was still a chance that Shellac might be playing. It turns out that they didn't because uh, yeah, broken wing. But yeah. Turk <laughs> broken wings and um, learned MC with them. <laughs> so free. Uh, we had Tar. Tar, fantastic! Wonderful. I, I, yeah, they they. I love that they had a uh, a friend of theirs uh, kind of teach them their set. Part of part of like the stuff that, that they were rusty on. <laughs> no, and, th- and they were very upfront about yeah. it, which I, which I like that disclosure because like it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah sure. Absolutely. But they it's like yeah, we had to have a, some some of the some of the stuff we were like sort of rusty on that a friend of ours offered to show it to us, and he was right, and we got it. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's I was like that's, that's wonderful. That's proper friendship right yeah, there. That's that's uh. That was pretty great, but they were wonderful. Yeah. Bear Claw, uh, yes, always Bear Claw, consistently so great. great. So good. I saw Dianoga, uh, which was wonderful. They they <laughs> they started off with a new song that was uh, of the time and uh, very very much of of current events. And I talked through like half of it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> so that's me. That's my life. No. But uh, they they were they were wonderful on the Friday, and then you yeah. had uh, Poison Arrows, Poison Arrows on Saturday, and they I was my first time seeing or hearing them, and they were fantastic. They uh, their drummer was just a marvel to watch. He's got a really interesting uh, hi hat technique. So I'm watching okay. his foot because I was just at a really good angle to see his foot and mm-hmm. kind of how he used it more like less as a rhythmic up and down and more as just a choke. Just okay. Whenever he needs that hi hat off, it's just choke every time. Interesting. That was okay. very. That makes that makes for an interesting sound. Yeah. Okay. And. Just again, overall fantastic band. Really cool to see them. Definitely gonna follow, pay more attention as I need to because sure. they were super good. And uh, Lardo, of course. Yeah, Lardo. Who previously noted? Who? Yeah, of course, Lardo. Fantastic. And I heard that their set on Saturday was like one of the one of one of the best. It was by far, which I don't have for a minute. Might have been the best I've ever seen them. They were incredible. They were just I don't know. They just it hit them and they were on fire. That's that's how it works sometimes. Loved it. And of uh, course. Let's not forget. Lest, lest we forget. Certainly not. Certainly not. The mighty Nanagon. Yes, Nanagon was wonderful. Uh, they, they are, they're almost like the Creedence Clearwater revival of uh, <laughs> that scene to, to me. Like, it's very consistent. Every time there's a, there's a new Nanagon, you, just, you know what you're going to get in the best possible way, and you're going to get is quality songwriting, my friend. <laughs> quality songwriting. And a uh, great show. And you could not, you, no matter how excited you or anyone else were in that audience, you were not more excited than John Hasty. Yes, just <laughs> a, a, a paragon of enthusiasm yes. and uh, good vibes. Just a great dude, great band, like those guys a lot. Yeah, there was a great moment uh, during Tar set where we just kind of bumped into each other and just kind of like through the, you know, over the, the loud music, of course. Yeah. Just, hey, how are you? I'm great, how are you? And he just points at Tar and just like, 
yeah, it's the thing. It's happening. Like, that's how you are. Of course you are. <laughs> so, yeah, I went to end up going to the Friday show because mm. I had already I had already made bought a ticket and made plans to go to the AMRAP bash yeah. in, in Minneapolis on the Saturday before All Tomorrow's Impeachments was ever mm-hmm. announced. Yeah. And Tell me about that. As a, as a fully licensed crazy person... <laughs> At the end of All Tomorrow's Impeachments, I drove back from Chicago to Milwaukee, slept about six hours, then jumped in the car immediately and left for the AMRAP bash, <laughs> uh, which started, uh, well, originally it was going to start at noon, but mm. luckily Melvin's went on right at two, and they, uh, yeah, I missed the first couple songs, but that's, that's fine. Um, great times. Uh, Blind Shake had Shannon Selberg from Cows playing with them. That was interesting. I saw some pictures of that. That looked fantastic. Mike Blaha was uh, on drums and guitar and singing. That was wow. bizarre. <laughs> I was like, so you're going full Bob Log, huh? That's yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> and uh, but it was it was a great set. And um, uh, Melvin's were fantastic as always. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lydia Lunch's band was wonderful yeah really really good weasel walter was, right uh, on playing guitar and i actually had never seen him play guitar before i love his stuff in lake of dracula like he's okay. a good guitar player yeah, yeah but boy you can tell that he approached it from the place of a fan because just brought the damage and, and nice. like really just like even if i had not had no idea who lydia lunch was i would have been like this is legit awesome. this is like badass like it's it was it was really good and the, all those songs were absolutely done justice it yeah. was um it was it was nice to see. It was it was I expected it to be good and it was fantastic. Yeah. So that's that's always a nice thing, right? Yes, and I heard there I heard reports that their Milwaukee set on Friday was was just as good and I wasn't able to go to that unfortunately. Yeah. Well it was on Sunday and I considered it except for the fact that like cool, that would be literally four shows in four days with Sunday? like two of them being yeah. It oh. was on a Sunday at the Cactus Club. The other okay, there was something else on Friday. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Any rate. Oh, she also walked in on t- <laughs> I was in the men's room. <laughs> Most of the best stories start this way. Uh-huh. Uh, peeing, as one tends to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, Lydia Lunch busted into the men's room with the announcement that I'm not going to wait in that fucking line. I'm going to be on stage in 20 minutes. I'm going to pee in here. <laughs> All right. To which I said, fair. Yeah. And then the other dude kind of wigged out and like, like dashed out. And then um, and, and she was just like, I can't believe it's, it's lines 20 deep. What kind of bullshit is that? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, embroidered on a doily hanging on the wall, I guess. Bummer, Lydia Lunch. Do your like, thing. Right, yeah, do your thing. I'm just looking forward to your set. <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally what I said as I walked out. <laughs> but I, I, felt yeah. pretty, I felt, pretty, felt pretty good about the embroidered on a doily and hanging on the wall. Because I wasn't, yeah, why should you be expected to wait 20 deep for the bathroom when you're about to go in? I mean, that, that's yeah, true. Of and, and, and to be clear, uh, Hazelmeyer did an amazing job with with the Amrit Bash. Like it, it's mm. a very, I mean, you can't control the fact that it was hot as hell. Like it was just you sure. know burning sun, like bad. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be out there for too long, oh, uh, sensibly. But uh, yeah, it, oh, and Bobbert was on drums, Brian Musikoff. Yes, and and that was fantastic. That was great to see. Yes, never, yes. never. I was thinking about. It, I don't think I've ever seen him. I don't think I've ever seen. Bob Burt played drums at all. Um, not at all. Like not even on video. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, all right, okay. Whatever. Well, that's guy. A, no, I, like because I haven't seen him in person either. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think I've seen him play uh, on any, uh, any any live band sort of set. As much yeah. as I love all the records, and uh, he was great. He, he was one. I don't know who the bass player was, but Weasel killed it. Um, Lily Lynch was great. Oh yeah, yeah, it was it was sunny as hell. So it was sort of like in order to not get heat stroke, you had to sort of like. Time things out just right, but oh, the, the, sure. there, there were some clouds and stuff too. Mud Honey set was great; they're very consistent. Always, um, 
I think I'm missing someone on there on that bill. Uh, uh, Lydia. Lund- oh, whores. Oh yeah, whores were wonderful. Awesome. They, were, they were they were they were great. It was hot as fuck. I tried checking it out near the, the back <laughs> where there was like shade, and you could only hear bass. I'm like, God damn it, this sucks. <laughs> Anyway, what doesn't suck is we're going to be talking to Mr. Jay Robbins oh. of Jawbox uh, coming up shortly, and let's uh, let's get fired up for that. Why don't we Why don't we listen to um, Why don't we listen to some Jawbox? This is uh, FF equals six six. He invites this guy. He lives in with fears that are not fears, but pickles of ecstasy.
A, uh, that was a number by a nice young man uh, by the name of Jay Robbins. That was uh, Our Own Devices, off of the Our Own Devices. Uh, and 
there's another song in there that's a, a static. I, th- I think it's a, it's a reworked version of Static, the the Jawbox song that's a, you can you can find on the on Yieldy Bandcamp, <laughs> and uh, that's available for you. Uh, jrobbins.bandcamp.com. Jrobbins.bandcamp.com is the place to find that. That's a great that's a great tune. I'm I'm a big fan of the uh, Count Scrunkula. Uh, sort of guitar hook on there, <laughs> which I just, I, which I just coined right now, and I'm relatively proud of. And, and I I'm believe uh, on the phone now we actually have Mr. Jay Robbins. Jay, hello, hello, sir. For, How I goes? Forgot. Good. Can good, you hear good, me? Good to talk to you. I can. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna adjust these They're levels here and get you quiet. get you up. Okay. Uh, okay. I, f- I forgot we had to be. I forgot we had to be Skype buddies. Yeah. to uh to make this connection this is like the second time like you know how my my skype name has 2015 in in it that's because it's the only other time i've ever used skype <laughs> 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 that's fantastic that's um yeah hashtag modern <laughs> problems i suppose right? <laughs> yeah uh, it, it's uh, sir. It's great to talk to you again uh joining me uh, is mr josh davis my co-host say hello josh hello jay how are you Hello, I'm I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm uh, very well indeed, thank you. Uh, so we were just listening to one of your more recent jams, which of course uh, was you released under your own uh, your your own name under under Jay Robbins. Uh, not, yes, not the Jay Robbins band, like the Jay Giles band, but it's just Jay Robbins. <laughs> uh, that's a great tune. I, I listen to that all the time. That's a, I, I love the 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 guitar hook. That's like the weird noise. <laughs> The weird, it's like a backward, the backward bendy loop thing. Yeah. Um, that's um, unorthodox, I think, is, is the way to put it. But I, I love it. It's great. Well, thank you. It came last. So really? it was the last thing. Yeah, it was the last thing I put in the song. And uh, it's messed up because I was driving around listening to Rough Mix going like, this song needs something. And I was kind of singing, singing it in my head. Going like, oh, yeah, that. That's fucked up. That'll that'll fuck it up pretty good. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I had to figure out I had to figure out how to make it, you know, which was pretty fun. But uh, but I'm glad you like it. I'm glad I'm glad you heard it. I'm glad anybody heard it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well yeah. I mean, in general, I mean, of course, that's that's, that's, that's that's like the crux of the show, right? Uh, but <laughs> and there's also it's paired with a, a, a reworked version of Static, uh, which is a Jawbox song, of course. Yes. And uh, yes. was, was that yes. based off of uh, you playing some of those tunes in a, in a sort of a live environment and kind of like finding some different uh, different stuff with it? Kind kind of. I mean, Static is a weird song. Like, I don't, like, like first of all, for a long time, I wasn't, um, it's cool. Like, the last few years, I've ended up doing a bunch of things that I sort of said I would never do, and I've ended up really enjoying doing them. Um, <laughs> one of them was, no, I mean, sir, like, one of them was playing acoustic shows, which I, oh wow, <laughs> for a long time was like I'm never going to do that. That's insane. And then uh, I was invited to do it, and I had started playing with. Um, well, actually, no, it was the beginning of of playing with Gordon Withers, the the cellist that I've played with a lot. Um, right, which since then that was still pretty recent. Last time we talked as well, like, that was like real, real new. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can't remember. I remember, 
I remember us speaking, but I can't remember in because my brain is like t- my concept of time is totally collapsed now that I'm old, and so I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm like, I'm like, it could be a year ago, it could be five years ago, but you, you uh, know what? We're episode ninety six of the show, and I feel the same goddamn way, man. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm like, I it was fun, it, it was cool. We talked for a while. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but I played because I started playing with Gordon in like two thousand ten. Because uh, our friend Chad Clark was curating this live sh- series uh, at this place uh, just outside of D.C. And he sort of like, um, I don't know, Chad's good, at, Chad's good at talking people into things, I guess. So oh, yeah. he, he was sort of like, you know, you should get together, you should do a show of your songs, you're a songwriter. And I was like, I guess I am a songwriter. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. and then, uh, so, so that's when I started playing with, playing with Gordon, and then it, it was like, a chance to revisit Jawbox material that like, or, and Burning Airlines material stuff that I, that I could say like, well, actually, yeah, I mean, I pretty much did write this song and where's the, where's the thing that makes it, you know, is it a good song? Like what's the thing? Cause a good, you know, that whole theory about like, if it's really a good song, you can, you don't need to have a band to play it. You just right. like, like a, a really good song has a foundation and you can get to, with any instrument that's at hand kind of thing, you know? So, um, so anyway, it was just, a, it was just kind of fun sort of excavation project and kind of trying to, it helped, helped me kind of feel better about the fact that, I mean, cause it, cause I have written a lot of songs and I love to write songs. And that is the reason that I, you know, am making music <laughs> ever is to <laughs> like create new songs. So, right, so anyway, so that was one thing that I, you know, and then that, so those were the two big things. Actually, it was like I, I, for many years, I was like, "Well, Jawbox is done. There's no reason to play Jawbox songs ever again or Burning Airlines songs. When the band's done, the songs are done." Mm-hmm. But Static is a um, Static is a song that uh, was never really finished in my mind because it was uh, it was actually like like when Jawbox was together. I used to particularly I used to write a lot of songs to get things off my chest, and then I would be like really keen to make sure that people didn't understand specifically what i was driving at because some of because some of this stuff was really was really personal and particularly if you're writing a song to kind of at somebody (laughs) you know you don't but you don't necessarily it's like okay you want to sort of vent but but on the other hand if you're if you're trying to work through something with somebody that's close to you and you don't want to sort of damage your friendship in the process you might couch it in this in these sort of obscurities and and you know so the, so static was particularly like static was an actual song you know and some jawbox songs were like just word salad just like we had this form you know we put the form together we had cool parts it was cool music what can we sort of start throwing in uh, 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 lyric wise sure. words that kind of bounce off each other and throw up a meaning that's kind of fun and see where it takes you and it was you know a lot of times it was just like you know, sort of arts and crafts of lyric writing. And then the meaning would get attached, the meaning would get kind of attached halfway through. And, you know, I mean, it's all like good, valid ways to write lyrics. But Static was specifically about a thing. It was about an event that happened in my life and my relationship with my sister. And, And I didn't really say, you know, and with my family. And I was like, and I didn't really say the things that I wanted to say in that song very clearly. And since then, I sort of, gotten this totally different attitude about songs where I'm like, I'm like, weird poetry is cool and strange imagery is cool, but the best songs 
the best songs just really like tell you something that you can get a grip on and they it's communication so um so that i kept like that song kind of stuck in my craw for a long time because i was like this really is about a specific thing and i need to feel like i'm you know even if it feels obscure now to somebody who hears it like now i know i'm like okay i've rewritten the lyrics somewhat and they address a particular situation more clearly and they say more clearly who who's in, you know it's just it's just a better song now to me because because it's like i i was like i'm not worried about like i'm not worried about being understood like i want to be understood and i right. wanted to sort of stream there's there were things where i'm like uh, this song doesn't really have a chorus, you know, whatever, <laughs> like a lot of, you know, so, so I felt like, like that version of static is like the way that it's in my mind, like it's what the song really should be. So, it's, you know, it's, it's almost it's, like you have the courage uh, of specificity with this. Where, where, where yeah, you're... kind of. It's just, it's just like, like actually like say the thing. It's, that's what you should do. You should say the thing, but it's not, you know, I mean, it's weird. It's not, it's not like, I think it's important to anybody else, but to me, you know, because I'm, I'm like, like my main like battle. If I'm trying to write words, because like writing words is just like torture for me. And like the main battle is like, like what are you writing about? What do you want? What are you trying to communicate? You, I want to like communicate with someone who's listening. And that's one of the first songs I wrote where it's like, like I really, it's really personal. I really wanted to say it. It needed to come out in a song, and and then I kind of chickened out. So right. now I don't feel like I've figured out. So it's just like, that's my, it's like a personal, like it's kind of thing that's been eating at me. So I was like, you know, I should just redo this song somewhat. And it's, so it's the arrangement that was like with lyrics that I rewrote when I started playing acoustic. Cause it was one of the songs that I, you know, that I, that I went to that could translate to an acoustic guitar. Like there's lots of Jawbox songs that, you know, cannot be, like why would you play why would you play them on an acoustic guitar you know like yeah it's a, they're all about the drums just like don't even bother like it's just the drums you know yeah, but yeah. um uh, but, but yeah as far as the you know what you're talking about for the you know the, the targeting for that and, and the emotional appeal i mean there there is a i people can identify with that kind of thing if they, even if they can't identify with the actual event or the, or the right. source matter behind it what yeah. i found yeah as i've gotten older is that people do you know they'll they'll recognize the you know for lack of a better term the authenticity of it and and um, it can be very off putting to put yourself out there and and especially weirdly coming from punk rock the hard on sleeve yeah, yeah. world right. it's weird to put right. yourself out there that way and yeah I mean uh, you know I don't know I think I think a lot like a lot of, all pretty much all of my favorite songwriters you know my favorite songs like if you you know like I mean dude. Ever fall in love with somebody you shouldn't have? Right. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, right. okay, I know what that song's about, right? Yeah. Like, how could you so, put it more plainly? It's right there in the title. Like <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, like, um, but, you know, so that's, anyway. Uh, but, I mean, but, you know, as a music fan, of, I can totally see it from the other side of it, because that, that's, like, I love that. I love that idea that, like, once you make something and you put it out there, if it connects with somebody, like, they like they bring a meaning to it and that's just as valid as like you know as like whatever you put into it like i just started getting like um do you know that movie room 237 this <laughs> yes. movie have yes, you so so 
Well, so somebody just, I was just working with this band this weekend, this band Watergate, and they, they turned me on to this movie and I watched it and I was just like flipping out because, you know, like the premise is like, that it's just a documentary interviewing all of these people about their very specific, very super specific of yeah. hidden, yeah, hidden of hidden and, and overt subtext in The Shining, and like some of it is like super fucking out there, and um, but I love it because you know, and probably one of the things they talk about in the movie is is that like, you know, did Stanley Kubrick mean, you know, was did he intend to put this stuff into the movie? Is it there like to be found? Right. Well, whether he put it there or not, clearly it's there to be found because somebody found it, you know, like, and it's there, it's like, and it's, and it was like a lot, you know, a lot of this stuff is like really pretty whacked, but then like some of it is like great and it's good to chew on, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I can see it from both sides. Well, and it's almost cool just to see, you know, there's, there's that, that thing where once the, you know, once the music leaves your head, it's already compromised. Yeah. Like that, (laughs) that aspect of, of what people put of themselves into it and, yeah you know that's an extreme mm-hmm. example of that movie <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah i agree it's fat it's fascinating he's like holy yeah. crap i mean i'm sure like you know kubrick would be like wow you guys are nuts but. <laughs> yeah i, I kind of get the feeling that he might be but you know i mean that's a whole that's like a huge discussion because i just like that i mean i literally watched that movie two nights ago and then it made me watch the because of it i watched the shining again last night so i'm like <laughs> right my brain is completely upside down anyway right. like you know i'm just but uh, but yeah, it's kind but, of that, uh, the artist privilege then in that case just to be able to say like oh no this is what I meant or you can bring whatever to it or you can even hint at it you you got a uh, spectrum there right right but you know I don't know I mean it's not you know the like to me it's just like it's way more like it's not it's not so I mean I love talking about the like kind of the kind of like rarefied like long hair artsy fartsy like shit like I'm super I could talk about it all day long. <laughs> But if it's about actually like me writing a song or whatever, I do. It literally is the difference between like, like I know when I used to write stuff and just be like, you know, good. This is weird enough that no one will unlock the puzzle. Like they'll get they'll they'll hopefully they'll if they like it they'll put something else into it and they'll kind of see what direction the the general direction that it's going in. But it's not for them to know. Whereas now I'm like, you know, like. Let's let's communicate. <laughs> so so that's like that's that's a big difference. Well, and that's so so then that's got to be interesting. Just revisiting, like how have you how have you picked what material to revisit with you know the Jay Robbins band and then like with the, what's your what what you do more recently? Because I think it's interesting. There, there's such a wide breadth of it, as as you mentioned. Yeah, some of it's just not going to work. You know, right, and I wouldn't like. No I mean that the the thing is like I sort of thought it's. It's nice because now there's enough new. I sort. Of, I mean, I've been working on a record now for like three and a half years, and it's it's only taken that long because um, it's hard to get the people together in the same place and you know at the same degree of preparedness, and for me to get material ready because I'm working like I'm trying. I need to kind of be working like most of the time, and luckily I've I have been able to be working most of you know like a lot of the time, but the because my job is this recording studio um it's not like i i can like get out of work and then go to band practice it's like i get out of work at you know one in the morning and fall on my face and get up the next day and come back you know so 
Um, so, so the time of making this record is like super stretched out, but at le- at long last, there is enough new material that, like, I mean, you know, like all this stuff, like everything that I've been doing, which nobody knows about because I don't do anything to promote it whatsoever, has all <laughs> has all happened. Like I don't like this is this is it. Like this is my this is my big promotional tour. Like we're, the, we're um, gonna see that protonic reversal bump, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Wicked and uh, it's all you need, to buddy. The top. It's all you need. Yep. <laughs> but but uh, um, with a bullet. But um, uh, so you know, it's sort of like the idea that I'm that I have quote unquote my own band, or I'm like making this record, and it's just under my own name. It's all sort of just happened. It sort of seemed to happen out of necessity, um, because and partially because of certain attitudes that I have because of like. You know, the idea that if it's a band entity that has its own name and its own identity, then one person leaves and then it's really not the same thing anymore. Um, You know, like, and the same thing, like, of course, those Drawbox songs belong to the band Drawbox, but um, I also feel like, like, in my history, my time in Drawbox, like, I was trying to submerge my, you know, I was like, going out of my way to make sure that nobody thought of me as the songwriter in the band, even though like for a lot of the material, I was the songwriter in the band, <laughs> right. but I would, I would never say like I was, to- you know, like I am not responsible for the total content of the material. And like a lot of it, a lot of the best Drawbox stuff happened because our drummer was an insane, you know, like creative genius. And we like songs would come out of beats and people, we would layer parts in a way that just don't, you know, like, I mean, our process was, was really crazy and fun and cool. So, like, it's not the same as somebody writing a song from, you know, it, it's not a, it's not, uh, it's not uh, so sort of streamlined or self-contained of a process or anything. But, but anyway, I just got to a point where I was like, you know, on the other hand, I did write a lot of those songs. And some of them, I think, like, I can kind of go back to them and get some new like there's more there than like they have a, they can still have a life like I have a connection to them and I should just be singing them so it was it's cool like and basically those are the songs that ended up being songs that we would play live is ones you know where I feel like a connection to the material and I feel like it's not just like you know like I'm not I don't delude myself that I have greatest hits you know what I mean it's just like but I just wrote songs that I I've there are songs that I can sing and feel like they you know like I care about singing them, so I want to sing them. But at this point, I do actually. I'm like more excited to go play new stuff because I have a whole set of new stuff that I'm pretty stoked on. Not like I'm not like I'm even playing that much. You know, but <laughs> sure, sure. But there's the yeah. idea of you. You know, are, at some point you are going to be, and that's you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't foresee a time in which I just go like, oh fuck it, like who cares? I don't want to do this. You know, like I'm in do it whether anybody's listening or not so right right yeah right. that's that's very interesting i'm always interested in when uh someone who's been in a number of groups or you know um just always has been kind of on working under a group name decides oh. to go ahead and you know this is the this is the my band or this is the my thing so it really was just kind of re- kind of reclaiming that that sort of spot and it's uh, well it's just it. it's a pra- it's it's a pragmatic thing because i feel like you could either like, if you start a new band, because I love bands, like, I love, you know, you start a new band, yeah. and you come up with a name, and you're like, ah, like, 
there's a whole there's all this great sort of ritual and like this great there's a lot of creativity that is really you know i mean i love bands but the the fact is like for me like i've i have played with people in different bands who were not able to you know like for many years now like like i haven't been like the kind of person who wants to just go out and go on tour for eight months a year like i just don't (laughs) i can't do that and i don't want to do it but i still love to do it under certain circumstances and i'm really i've been really lucky that every now and then you know i'll get a really great opportunity like a like uh office of future plans my uh the band that i had before i just decided to not have a band um was invited to go play this festival in Spain and it was like it was just like a no-brainer but a couple of people in the band really had to work something out to be able to do it and we had lots of advance notice and I, and it was like you know if those people had not been able to do it we would not have done it and i would have been unhappy <laughs> you know like right. i would have been like like because if somebody to because to me if somebody calls you up and says we're doing a festival in Spain. It's not going to cost you a penny. Come hang out, see some really great bands, play some music for people who really give a shit, you know, and then go swimming in the Mediterranean. Yeah, sounds okay. I'm like, <laughs> right, exactly. Like, that's pretty good. Like, I think maybe I might like to do that, you know? So, so, um, I don't know. I guess so I just sort of thought, <laughs> so if it's right, so if it's like, if it's a, and this is just stupid, this is just me, but like, if it's a band, quote unquote, and one person can't do it, you're you can't i just i feel uncut you know maybe i'd feel differently now but certainly at the time i'm like you know one different person means it's not the band and it's the band is all about the group going together and doing it and there's it's not like that's gone from the equation now totally because i want to play with people that i have you know i want to play i don't want to just like pick up random people and play with them because that's horrible but like um but I just want to feel like if I got a chance to do something cool like that and somebody that I'm playing with can't do it, that I have the liberty to say, you know what, I know another really awesome drummer or guitar player or whomever. It would be great. Maybe they want to do it. That could be fun. We'll see what we do. Just to be able to do something more fluid. And the, and the fact is, like, in every band that I've been in in the last several years, sooner or later there's a flyer or an ad, like if somebody's trying to get a if somebody's putting on a show and they want somebody to be interested in the band, nine times out of ten, it's going to say J, featuring Jay Robbins' X Jawbox for whatever that's worth. Yeah, so whether you want it to be part of the the billing or not, that's going to be on there. Right. I mean, if like you know, I, I mean, like two people are going to give a shit that that is the case anyway. But I'm like, you might as well just put just just you're do right it under my name. That, but yes, I, I but, know what you're saying. Like you know, I'm like I'm like okay, we'll just do it under my name, and then you know. I mean, I, I go back, back and forth about it. I mean, it's funny because, like, my band uh, channels that uh, my wife and I play in, that you know, we've started doing material now and writing, writing new stuff. And you know, I mean, I love that band. Like, I love being in that band. So it's not like I'm particularly driven to have like a quote-unquote solo career. I just, you know, it's just weird. Sometimes also, like, I'll write songs and, and I'll be like, I just don't want to like like make like I'm playing with these awesome people who have really great ideas and I love bouncing off of their ideas. I don't want to show up and go like, here, play this. This is my song. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's much more fun to be like, let's all do this thing together and see what 
rises so out I, of it. So, so harkening back to your earlier point, it, it kind of seems like the, the nice thing about, you know, having to be your thing is you can just say yes and sort of figure out some of the details later, which I imagine must be very freeing rather than having it tied to, you know, four very specific personalities and more importantly, four very specific right. schedules. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, the that's, this is all highly theoretical sure, <laughs> because, sure. no, no. because since I, since I went through this whole thought process, this fascinating process that I just shared with you, since I like went through that, really, I haven't really been doing much. <laughs> like the most, the most awesome thing that happened was like, uh, I guess it was, it was last year that, uh, I got invited to go, uh, open for Bob Mould out in Chicago. Yeah, not bad. And that was, that was the exact example of like, yeah, you just say, yes. all right, well, Right, just say yes and figure out how you're going to do it. And oh, this person can't come, but this other person can, and we'll pull practice. And everybody's competent and good and well adjusted, and we all get along. And then we go do the thing, and it's fun, and it went great. So, you know, that's that's the template for what I would like to do more of. You know, well, and I think uh, that's, <laughs> I think that works too. And that's definitely you're at the, at the point now where you, you can do that too. And even if you were you were just to do like a Jay Robbins tour, I mean, I know you you've made several self-depreciating comments throughout the course of the interview <laughs> so far, but people yeah. would be there right. and when people would be stoked, and I would be one of those people, by the way. Uh, well, that's very nice. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but it also mentioned, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, when and I, when we were on, uh, when I had you on last time, you know, we talked about some of the very specific guitar I play with Jawbox. Now, some of that was almost, you know, Bill sort of sabotaging the song. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would, right. I mean, that's how, that's, you know, that's like a particularly bitter way of that. I would look at it when I'm in a bad mood, but I mean, it's like, but that was, that was the pro the process was just like this weirdly competitive, you know, kind of like, and it it ended up throwing up these things that were like, you know, like, like sometimes I, you know, still, if I think about it, I'm like, they're sort of annoying because the song is too, too dense to me it is you know what i mean but i mean in a more in a more benign example in a way like even even now like there's songs that i'm for this stuff that i'm working on now where you know i had a whole song that was written it was like incredibly like for me like this other project is to write a simple song i'm like you know i even i started playing in tunings that are just like one finger tunings mm. just to not wow. be, just to not be so fucking clever. You know what I mean? And just to be like, <laughs> really, you know, yeah. like, like to not be like, to not be like, like, you know, writing in this way that like I'm twisting my fingers around just to like, you know, it's the, the point is like the, it's not like, like, I don't want to, it's not like all this kind of decorative detail you know, it's like, it's like having a really solid foundation. That's all I want to do. Like, that's my main, like, dream. So, so I've been writing these songs, you know, and mostly in this one tuning that's, like, real open, that's just, like, a platform for writing a melody, blah, 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 blah. So, and I thought this song is, is done. It's good. I recorded it. And then Gordon, uh, the cellist slash guitarist who I play with a lot, wrote his part for it. And when we did the recording, like, I hadn't heard anything that he did. And I literally was like, like before, I was like, mm, I don't know, this song, it's all right, it's solid, you know. And then Gordon did his thing in it, and it was just like not like transforming the song into like Gordon's song, but because of what he put in it, these details and this like little, like he just 
revealed things in that song that just I hadn't, you know, I was like, oh shit, that was it. There was room for that, and it's awesome. And now, now I like this song. So, yeah, I, I mean, that. that's what collaboration is supposed to be Absolutely. like, you know. And in Jawbox, that happened a lot, but sometimes it was like, it was like, you know, like, okay, I give up. It's your song now, you know. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> you fine, know. Fine. Um, so yeah. do you find that that, uh, that writing style with that different tuning, does that emphasize the melody more for you, or is it just kind of just a different variety, just to change... It, it's just it's just like a tuning that I really like that sounds cool that like so it's like like if you do almost nothing on the guitar there's still this kind of beautiful sound that's coming out sure and from and so from there and then it's really easy to just like you know find the underpinnings for melody it just it just feels good and things start coming out you know and I haven't I haven't gotten like quite sick of it yet. <laughs> although it's although it's like a little bit fucked up because now like I'll start to be like well maybe I should just capo it which is just like oh my god I have oh. a capo <laughs> like, uh, I'm doomed now I have a capo once the kick, capo uh, comes out it's all over yeah, forget it uh, nothing punk rock about a capo DC Robbins <laughs> yeah he had a yeah. fucking capo yeah. so loud <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, man. yeah true confessions <laughs> But it, well, it, it, but it's interesting as well, uh, you know. Any anybody, time anybody comes from the world of punk rock and applies that to songwriting, I, w- I just find it interesting how that evolution happens with w- what they get out of it. Like for some folks, they kind of maybe turn more, you know, like try try. I'm gonna try out different genres or like you know, bubble maybe the electronic record, right? That's right. Sense, right. And you know, like, yeah. Not my thing, but it was a thing, and I was glad he did it, even if I don't really right. want to listen to it. Yeah, I try. I tried again with that record recently because I was like, I read his autobiography, and I was just like, oh, which I love. I was so, yeah. I was so stoked for him that he went out on that limb, but I couldn't. I could not. I can. Oh, I terrible. can go pretty far out on a limb with Bob Mole, but I do not yeah, love that's, modulating. That's, yeah, that's too far out on a limb for me. But I mean, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked for him. They did it, and you know, there's, yeah. there's an audience for it. Great, and like, I it's it's cool to see how that manifests. I guess at, at and to see how different artists work. Like Justin Trosper, for instance, you know, friend of the show, former guest. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the Nocturnal Habits album is fantastic. And like he kind of took some risks on it that he never would have done in a just a typical band right. environment where right. you're getting together every Tuesday to, to play. And, <laughs> and I think yeah, that's... I mean, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I don't, I don't know that record at all. So now I'm going to have to go look it up. It's quite good. It's very lush. I think you dig it. Uh, yeah. The... By the way, Proton Conversal sponsored by Nocturnal Habits hey. this week. <laughs> Seven dollars. Hey, let's go. Let's go. Um, the but in the same way, like I feel like the, the the stuff that you've released under your own name, like it's still you. Like it sounds like you. I think anyone that's a fan of like you know Jawbox or Burning Airlines or uh, Channels, Off to Future Plans, etc., can can find that through line. That find that 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 same thread throughout all of it and like it's it's immediate it's right there and, and it's just it seems like it's like it doesn't even seem that different necessarily even though it's totally different if that makes sense like it's <laughs> well i guess i guess that's good <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. i'll take that I'll, I'll take that i'll put it in the plus column yeah i guess for it's sure. good it's meant as such yeah well, i mean you know i don't know i mean I, you know i don't know just want to write a good song that's all that's all i want to do so, I mean, really, that that's kind of my, that really, that's like the bottom line to me. It's just like, please, can I write a good song? Sure. So, um, you know, and, and, and I mean, 
for better. Well, you know, I don't know. Like I have pretty, I have pretty, pretty Catholic tastes. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place as far as what kinds of music I really love to hear. But I mean, so there's and but it hasn't. But my taste hasn't really changed. Like it's always been pretty broad. Sure. So it's not like. You know, and there's certain things that I just know I'm not going to do. Like, I'm not going to write an alt country song or record, like ever. <laughs> like, I just I'm not. Not that it, there's not to. I'm not. You know, disparaging yeah. that. That's just. Not. I just. It's just wouldn't. It does not feel like something I would do. And <laughs> so, you know, like so, like putting on different styles. Like, I'm not going to make a funk record. You know, like I'm not. I'm right. probably not going to make an electronica record. There's so. But even that, you even know, that might be stuff you really enjoy. Right, I mean, right, exactly. It's cool to you just know, be like, able to enjoy some genres of music and not necessarily participate in them as well. I mean, but I mean, you know, you could. But at the same time, like you know, there's certain things that I know, like like I would definitely, you know, they're they're in, you know, like like I may not make an alt country record, but I know, or even a country country record. But I know that I heard like uh, Rye Cooter play some kind of twangy tremoloed guitar, and I thought it was the most beautiful sounding sound. And I want to hear that sound in my record, you know, sure. like yeah, yeah. so. Or I know, like, not to sound like I mean, just to be a total like pretentious jackass, like, <laughs> like I like I listen to a lot of Stravinsky, and if there's like a weird chord cluster in there that is like really great, and I can learn it and put it in a song, or if I stumble across something that sounds like something I heard on, you know, in, in a, in this, in a piece. For sure. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, it might give me an idea, but you know, I mean, there's like, these things are like, I mean, it's, it's like inspiration can come from everywhere. So, and I mean, I really do like, there's very little stylistically that I can't, you know, like a, like, I don't think you can, maybe I can't, I'm sure if we think about it, I could name a, a style of music that I just plain hate. But like, <laughs> sure, <laughs> easy. But probably, but maybe not. You know, like I don't know. I mean, there's usually something to like in every genre, uh, right? There's always there's always somebody who's doing something interesting, and whether you know. Well, so. and do you think that maybe like as a producer, you, you're hearing things maybe a little more from, from that aspect and picking up on sounds? Yeah, I think. Gonna... I mean, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Although. It's weird because there's like a real, you know, there are vogues for certain things and that always, I, I don't yeah. pay attention. I can't pay attention to that at all. If I did, I would just be, I would, I mean, I am behind the curve, like yeah. always. <laughs> that way lies madness. You know, much. right. If you, if you, and if you think in those terms, you're always like behind some curve that is not really worth following anyway. It's right. just, you know, but, but if you just kind of stay, stay uh, present in what you're listening to and you kind of keep your ears open there's like awesome stuff you can be informed by all kinds of awesome stuff all the time so but it definitely is you know it, it bears on the recording thing on, on on you know helping people make records you know so how much sure. yeah how, so how much of that has transpired in the whole using the studio as an instrument kind of kind of mindset no i you know i don't know not not a lot because i mean i think like in the stuff that I've been doing, it's more pr in practical terms. It's like, you know, like that single, like like, like our own devices. That, that one, that yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like it would have been a lot harder for me to. I mean, I could have probably done that 
I mean, it so happens that I have this studio that I have access to, so I can sneak in here, you know, before a session, or I can stay late after a session, and if I have something in my mind, I can just throw it down in an hour, and that's really cool, you know, or I can... I can go, oh, you know what, the bridge is too short, let me make it twice as long, or that kind of stuff. I mean, that's something everybody with Pro Tools can do, you know, so, but, right. you know. But, uh, I mean, the, the, the um, there's this project that I did that, that uh, just came out, this project that I did with Jonah Matranga and Zach Barocas called uh, Kimura hmm. that just came out on, um, on um, Arctic Rodeo. And, uh, and that was a... That's uh, I'm super proud of this record too. Like, um, um, and that was a use a bit of a use the studio as a uh, as an instrument kind of project because the whole I mean the, the initial genesis of that project was this other project um, that I did with with Jeff Dean um, that was all Jeff's songs and I just I played bass on it and Darren played drums. We had this project called Moral Mazes and then. Um, we didn't know who was going to sing on it. It was all Jeff's songs that we arranged and recorded. And then he ended up contacting Jonah and Jonah really only wanted to, like he kind of picked two songs that really spoke to him and he did vocals on these two songs. And then we had the rest of the songs. We, we ended up getting other different people to sing on and oh, that's cool. still, yeah. And it, and it actually worked out. Sure. Um, it worked out, uh, really, really well, but, um, uh, like Bob Nana just sang on one of them. That's not we haven't mixed that yet. And um, okay, so that's um, still but, that's still an ongoing one. Yeah, that's like an on. It's like an ongoing way back burner project. But anyway, Jonah did the first two songs, and um, and then uh, he didn't really want to do the rest of them. But we did sort of establish a a channel of communication about like him and me doing something, carrying on doing something together that was like maybe a little bit less rock. Mm-hmm. And then, and I, you know, always, like anytime Zach wants to do something, I always want to work with Zach. And Zach is a perfect person to go to, to like not just be like, to not just make rock, like to make something that right. is going to like kind of challenge what you're going to, yeah. yeah. So, so it was cool because we literally got together in the studio with, I mean, Jonah had a bunch of, Jonah's always writing songs and he's always got like a, like a list of song fragments and, and little demos and some of them are fully fleshed out and some of them are just nuggets of ideas. And so he, he put together a big folder of like, you know, I didn't even know how many song ideas and we went through them uh, independently and kind of picked out a few that we wanted to work on. So we worked up a couple of Jonah's songs. Um, Zach had an idea to cover this um I can't remember. It's from like old, like kind of Celtic melody song that's really cool. Oh. And then, and then there's one song that we wrote completely from like we walked into the studio with nothing, and Zach did a beat, and I was playing bass, and then we had parts, and then one part led to another part, and it was super organic. And then Jonah was singing, and the next thing you know, it's a song, and we were all like, "Holy shit, <laughs> this song's like super good. Where the fuck did this come from?" You right. know. And that and that was like a really really fun collaboration. It's, there was a lot of like, a, there was a fair bit of using the studio as an instrument in that case because Zach would sometimes just like extemporize on these beats and then we get a good one and then we loop it and start you know building section a section on top of the loop you know, and that that was all really fluid. It was like you could 
you know, it wasn't just like working out the song and then recording it. It was like all the process of everything was happening all kind of in an overlapping way. And, and it, it, it was super, super rewarding and fun. And, and um, the song, the first song that we put out from this EP, Roosevelt Champion the Third, it's just like, wow, that's, awesome. the, that's the song, that's the song that we, uh, that's the song that we wrote from, that started with, you know, I mean, I think it started with Zach's beat. And we, we had no idea what it was going to become. And then at the end, I mean, that's one of my favorite songs I've ever, ever been a part of. Wow. You know, that's a so order. Okay. It's just, it's, I mean, I, I really, I'm, I'm super proud of it. And so I hope we're going to do more of that. And that definitely is the, the spirit of that collaboration is just, and then the other big thing about it was like, we were like, okay, rule number one, no guitars. And, uh, Whoa, because cool. it's, because it's too easy to just come in and go rang dang dig it the dang a dang it's my song you know like you just <laughs> you know what I mean like you just write a whole record with your right wrist just strumming away right like that so we were like we're not going to do that that's too that's like it's like snoozerama like don't let's like let's do let's really listen to what we're doing and not be taking the guitar for granted you know and of course we ended up putting guitar in these songs because guitar is also awesome you know but it was not like we're like, the first thing we're going to do is take the first thing that we take for granted and just get it out of the equation completely. And then we'll see if we let it come back in, which was pretty fun. Yeah, almost using so. it as like a, like a privilege on a right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, the, Oh, here comes a moment where, you know what? Like, nothing else is going to do the trick like a big fucking loud electric guitar. Like, right. that's just yeah. what has to go there. So, so that was, a. it was, I mean, I do, I really, I really love that, that project. I, w- I wish that was a band that played out but you know we only have like six songs, so so uh, so hopefully we're gonna. I mean I think we're gonna try and write some more this fall so that we can you know have a little bit just kind of yeah or at least you know I mean just mainly just kind of keep the keep the collaboration going on because it's uh, it was super super fun and uh, and fruitful and like I think you know I mean I'm getting psyched just kind of like revisiting <laughs> it in my yeah, in my brain yeah, yeah yeah so. Yeah, it's good. To, sometimes you need to have that just that excuse to just keep getting together. Yeah, and it's and I like I love it because it's like I mean I know that jo- like Jonah is really prolific and he's got a great the like like I have no confidence in my like writing and singing. I'm just like sooner or later I just have to break down and do it because I'm going to be miserably unhappy if I don't do it. So that's <laughs> like that's where that's where I'm at. I'm like no, I have to you know. Whereas like Jonah. Yeah is like basically this really joyful dude who just like creates and that's like he's like he you know he has confidence in his creativity in a way that's like quite enjoyable to to kind of support you know so he just opens his mouth and this beautiful sound comes out and you're like yeah this rules you know so like i'm playing an a a listen to my a you know like, so more of that <clears throat> yeah but now i'm gonna play c you know whatever but like uh, yeah. So anyway, I hope I hope there will be more of that. But uh... yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as far as uh, oh, wait, you know, one thing I actually meant to was mean to ask you is uh, in terms of recording, I, I believe you uh, recorded a, a mutual friend of ours and a and a friend of the show, Mandy Branch, and the Secret Europeans. Is that correct? Uh. Well, I did a long time ago. I did stuff with Mandy. I mean, I've I've done you know I've worked with Mandy um, a long, long time ago in her old band, um, and then 
I did. I mixed. I mixed a record that was largely recorded by. Um, I think it was largely recorded by somebody else. That's been a couple of years ago, actually, that I that I worked on that. Okay. And then we talked about her new band um, doing some recording up here, but it hasn't come to pass yet. Oh, okay. Well, that's just interesting because yeah, it, I'm just using this time to ask you about our, our mutual friend here. So that's <laughs> it's, it's it, the music's interesting is why I ask, and I feel like that would be a yeah. good pairing uh, for sure. So, but that kind of is a awkward segue into the world of recording. Uh, hey, you see, it's professional radio stuff. Yeah, right. That's it. You're just you know. Yeah, exactly. I got, there's a plan. There's a plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I, I mean, you. You record quite a few bands. Uh, one of one of the things I was, uh, you know, we didn't talk too much about this last time. I love that Room Runner EP. Uh, oh man, I'm, I fucking love that band so much. I'm sorry, I'm like swearing all over your show. That's, That's okay, right? It's it's okay. Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, um, I I love that band. I was very sad when they broke up. Me too. And uh, and I was so happy about that record. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. It, it turned they're, out great. They were great. I I loved I loved how that how that whole thing went down and like, and they're like, you know, they're like a, they're, I mean, that record is largely played live, you know? Yeah. Which, which is cool because I think that's what their first record, which is a great record too. The green one. That was, yeah, that's got like lots and lots of guitar layers, you know? And, um, which, which worked out really great on that record, but which a lot of times, like, I don't think people really need to like the preconception that you're going to layer up tons and tons of guitars. Like, of course, that sounds cool in a certain way, but like, if you have a really good tone to begin with, and like the whole thing is not about having like stacks and stacks of guitar tracks, it's about like the whole energy of the band playing together and being able to hear right. how like how it all gels, you know, and that and it just worked out so. I mean, it worked out really well recording them. I mean, they, they just sound fucking sound dead. R.I.P. Right? It sounded yeah. fucking phenomenal. And um, and they played so great. I mean, yeah, you know, Denny and Jeff, like particularly like Jeff, like a lot of Jeff's tracks are just like that's what he played when they did the take. Even the weird like weird like effect uh, manipulating stuff, mm, right. he just threw it down, and it was boom. It was just great, you know. So um, that's great when you can I mean, do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a good move for them too, because you know, as much as I love, uh, you know, whatever it's called, uh, Ideal Cities, I think the the green one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, they got a yeah. lot of they got a lot of Nirvana comparisons with them, which I felt mm-hmm. I felt was accurate but lazy as well. Like it's just that one was just as much carp <laughs> to my mind. Right. Well, I think that's exactly what Denny would say. He would yeah. just be like, "Yeah, it's it's like a cross between carp and Nirvana." <laughs> like <laughs> I don't think I think that's I think that if you. I think if you had asked him when he formed that band, like, what are you trying to do with this band? He would say something like a cross between Carp and Nirvana, yeah, you know, I, I but like accomplish it. It did. But I think they just get yeah. tired of hearing the same, which anyone would get tired of just hearing the same thing all the time. And, uh, it's cool that it's that record sounds very much, uh, the one you did with them sounds very much like them still, but it is definitely was like a next progression. Like, Oh, cool. Like there's a kind of different, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think he was really yeah. I think I think he really made a project of of making a more of taking a more melodic vocal approach, you know. And 
Um, but I mean, to me, the main which which is cool. I just you know I just think it had awesome songs and yeah, the songs like, were great. Exactly. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah. that's what it comes down to is like like that band was a great band, not because they sounded like they took this particular sound from this band or whatever. Like they right. wrote good songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, out. exactly. Good songs and it's all and right. they and they like I mean, and they they you know they they played them very persuasively. You know, right. like I mean that's. And that, you know, that's like a little bit of a, like, I love making records all kinds of different ways. I have no particular agenda about, you know, having to do it one way or another, but there is something really, like, it always makes me psyched when the band is clearly, like, really playing, they're really, like, like, music is actually happening in that room, and everybody is doing it together, and they can come in and hear it, and it kind of sounds like a record already. Yeah. And, like, that's what, that's, you know, that never, ever, ever gets old for me. That's, like, the, the coolest feeling. And that, I mean, that whole experience of doing that record was like that. Yeah. Yeah, from the, from the, from the band so. perspective as well, like, whenever I'm in a recording studio, like, that first... Like even if it's not necessarily like happening right away, but that first moment where yeah, like you've got the mix up and it sounds like a band, yeah, it's just like yeah. oh, there, there great it is. galvanizing <laughs> thing. We're just like yeah. okay, we're doing this, so we just kind of lean yeah. in from there. It seems like yeah, it's good. Does it does really does not get old? Yeah, it's cool. Like look, there was nothing, and now there's a song. You know, it's cool. Yeah, there was something. Yeah, that's, yeah. Great. that's great to hear that from you. With doing it, you know, every day. <laughs> but I mean, it also well, you, you know you you got to be a little careful though because if you get too isolated with it, you get you know so ensanced and, and so siloed with it, you can get to the point where you're like, hey guys, we invented this thing called music. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it? <laughs> yeah, no, that's not right. I mean, that's you don't want to crawl up your own ass. <laughs> and then, then like yeah, like the day afterwards, like oh, wait, no, no, we just made a record. It's cool. Like it's good, but it's, <laughs> it's yeah, like we, we we've been like isolated with this thing for a while. Now. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean that said, you I mean aside from your own material, you you've uh been a big part of like a lot of fantastic <laughs> records. I mean when you when you hear something like a dismemberment plan, uh, you know, you know is is that like is is most do you find that it's mostly there at the outset? Well, I you know, it's funny because I didn't I mean, well, I'm not going to make it into like a long story about the dismemberment plan, although it it is a long story about them, but like you know, in retrospect, I think that the best thing that anybody ever did for the dismemberment plan musically mm-hmm. was to just get out of their way. Right. And and unfortunately, like at the time that I first worked with them, um, I felt and they felt well. No, the first recording I ever did with them was in the basement of my of the Jawbox house, and that really was that was like a cassette eight track recording with everybody in the same in like a like a small room like a oh, kitchen yeah. sized room all together right. and um and that worked out really great and they were super stoked on it but when when we did the um the you know when we did emergency and i like a lot of the reason that i was involved was to kind of be the bad cop and sort of point out <laughs> things that they were no really like to point out things right, that right. they were missing in their performance and in their arrangements and stuff and um it's a lot of stuff that in retrospect uh, I'm not sure that it matters, you know. Like to me, their best record is ter- is uh, Dismemberment Plan is terrified. I would agree because 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 yeah. and also because I know the circumstances of that record, which I had nothing to do with, and and like the main the gist of how they made that record is like that was done in about five days. Everybody was in the room together. 
there wasn't a lot of second guessing or right. you know like right, 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 it's right. just like you kind of like push record and they play and then like the, it, the 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 thing happens and it gets captured and it turned out awesome and i mean i think that record is like absolutely the shit and then but once having done that record i think they were like okay well now how do we where do we go from there yeah. i think that their their material got stronger in a lot of ways their songwriting got stronger but i don't but somehow like the and they and they made good records but i still think the number one ingredient of those records being good is the dismemberment plan it's not to do with anybody that that you know and and you know, it's it's cool that everything's in tune and on time and all the, you know, there's a place for everything and everything's in its place. But, uh, you know, what do you want me to say is just as good on the cassette 8-track version right. that was done in a half an hour right. on, the, on the single. It's just as good as the one, or if not better, than the one that's on the album that was done on a two inch 24 track and mixed three times, you know, and took seven and a half weeks. Like, right. right. So, you know, yeah. Well, so, uh, and that was, that was a co-production with, with Chad Clark, who you mentioned before. So what was he, yeah. was he good cop then? Or was that less? <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's one of the things, it's one of the things that we probably all look at in retrospect and go, wow, I kind of wish that we would have thought a little more about how we were going to divide the labor on that because there was no, I mean, I think that we got along really great, and that there were a lot of there were a lot of good positive aspects of that, and it was collaborative, you know. But also, there was a lot of like because there wasn't a lot of. Um, I think Chad understood that about the plan that that thing about like you just get out of their way. Like I think he understood that much more than I did at the time because I was sort of like I got I got kind of hired to be like the guy who was in the the band that was on the major label and sort of here's how we should really do it, which really, it's really sucks to think of it that way. But like, so, so, so I think like, you know, there were times when they would do a take and Chad would be like, yes, fucking awesome. And I would, you know, we would literally be in the same room together. He'd go, yes. And I'd go, wait, time out. What about the bridge? Did you hear where this happened? Well, you know, so it was like, it was like, I think when we did change, it was way better because there was, it was like, okay, track the record with Jay, mix the record with Chad. Sure. And that's like, it, when there was no clear division of labor, there was a lot of times when, I mean, and the other thing is like, every individual member of the band is producing the record individually in their own mind, in their own way, like they're following. Because that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, even more so than most, you know, like the plan was like, had four, there was like four people with like, radically different, conceptions of what it what it is that thing that their band is doing at any given time and the conception might change based on whatever music they were listening to that they were really excited about i mean you know this is a band where like like one week one guy thinks of the song as kind of like a daft punk song while another guy is thinking of it as kind of like a steely dan song and another <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, right, and like right. somehow, and somehow wrong necessarily but it's just right they're all <laughs> no they're all right they're all 100 percent right and they're all and like somehow this goulash is getting put together and it tastes delicious and it's crazy you know it's it's like wow what did you put in this you know like it's awesome <laughs> and like and they're good for, you know that like but uh so so the fact that you know four individuals in the band are 
are on four different overlapping vision quests that somehow all dovetail, and then there are two quote-unquote producers who are also in the mix. It, you know, it was not a streamlined, like, it's a miracle that it was as streamlined and, and um, copacetic of a process as it was. Sure. But, you know, then next time we were like, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Track with Jay and Mr. Chad. <laughs> right, you know? right, yeah. You, you, and it was, it was a lot more like, like we, you know, like play to your strengths and, you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, this is, these are things that like we did when we were much younger and everybody was much younger. And it's fun. It's fun. Like, I mean, Dismemberment Plan is a crazy band. I think they're a phenomenal band and the, like they, you know, I think they, they're like an example of like, no matter how conscious they might be about certain aspects of what they do, the real like amazing thing is in some chemistry that just luckily exists and clicks, you know, like those guys playing together and bringing what they brought to it and kind of, yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, I mean, completely nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I mean, it's, but it's interesting that, you know, fantastic records can be made from sort of like sort of more chaotic environments, you know, like that, where you have people not necessarily openly at war with each other with different ideas as to what the final result will be. Yeah. And you can have ones that are just like relaxed and easy, too. And like it's sometimes that'll uh, turn out exactly the way you think it's going to be. And sometimes it doesn't. And some, and it, it doesn't seem like uh, I, I guess what I'm asking is, is you made a lot of records. Like, do you find that that's. More, more like if everybody's on the same page creatively and everybody yeah. kind of knows what they're doing hey we're just gonna do this thing let's go do you find that that generally makes for a better record or is it just sort of just depends on the band or what's the what's the deal with that uh, yeah I, th- I think it just depends on the band i mean i do think like a lot of no matter how much and no matter how much like you know i don't know i mean the thing that i always love about records is like like a lot of times I mean, I'm, I think maybe we even talked about this before, too, that, like... This sounds familiar. We probably did. Yeah, like, when you listen to, like, a record that you really love, if you... Like, the things that are really magical about it are things that did not happen consciously. They're just things that, you know, like... Like, I kind of feel like the main... The main... The main ingredient is for everybody to be present, mm. you know? Or at least maybe maybe not even maybe maybe not everybody, but somebody has to be present, and then like like really present, like really like you know like in it, sure. and then you know that that's otherwise it's like I don't think there are you know I think there's like rules of thumb that make a lot of sense like you know that are all just common sense things that why wouldn't you do it because it'll just make the process simpler, but I mean. You know, like there's another, like uh, I did this record a long time ago, this, uh, Let Them Eat the Mon Orchid. Oh, yeah. And that, yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. I, I love the Mon Orchid. Like, uh, when I'm, like my, at that time, probably like my favorite band in DC, and I was so stoked that I got to record them. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and it was like, uh, that record was done in something like three and a half days. And I had to like beg them to go back for the last half day to, to do, to remix some things because everything <laughs> happened so fast. <laughs> but that's a, that's a case in point of like, like, I mean, whatever you have in your mind about how it's going to be, like, it's actually not going to be that way. <laughs> and it's still, it's still like, you know, like, like they had, like, for example, 
they had Bren, Brendan Canty come over to their practice space and tune the drums before they came into the studio. Awesome idea. Brendan's great. He did a great job tuning the drums. With the first, like, song, when we started recording, the snare drum broke. And, like, <laughs> we just had to, like, kind of make it work the best we could because there wasn't a replacement snare drum. Oh. Nobody knew how to fix the snare drum. <laughs> so we just kind of, like, rolled with it. And you know what? It's fucking fine. That record still rules. And, yeah. like... Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I like the band got mad at me because I was when I was mixing, I was a being against the skeleton key record that I really love. Oh yeah, and they didn't, the yeah. and they they were like kind of they were like not into skeleton for whatever reason they were just not into <laughs> it. Like, and I was like, and I was like, no, it's not that I think you sound like skeleton key, and I'm trying to make your record sound like skeleton key. It's just a reference, but it created this like tension. You know, where suddenly the bass player was like, no, really, I want no low end in my bass. And I was like, but it's a bass. And he's like, no, no low end. You know, like, just like crazy, you know, like, like it was awesome. It was, it was, uh, um, all right. And, uh, you know, just like, uh, uh, um, contrarian, you know, thing, which is a big part of their energy, sure, you know, right, and like, yeah. like, fuck it. It turned out awesome. Yeah. You know, I love that record. Like, it's not, it would have turned out awesome if they recorded it with a, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, like close that. and play, you know, like, I mean. There, there's no reason it should work, but it does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it did, you know, I think, I, I actually think that record sounds quite good considering the the time at which I did it where I was like pr pretty much of a novice of, as an engineer and the fact that it was fairly chaotic, you know, the, that band's process was kind of like all about being in the moment and, and a certain amount of chaos was was definitely crucial to the was to that, the thing was know? that andy coronado on base on, on that record? yeah oh that, yeah that explains it all yep <laughs> I, yeah i mean no, I, I, I love andy but yeah that that's a uh he's he's a heady dude like he's he's definitely like i could see him just being like nope i've now decided that the bass will sound nothing like a bass because i heard this thing that you know yeah ex right it was it was a, there was a definite turning point right <laughs> it was just like no 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 you're you're taking this in a direction that's not your job. It's not your job to take this in a direction. And you know what? No fucking low end. It's my base. You know. Yeah. I mean, f which uh, it's. He's great. Um, Don't get me wrong. It's He's definitely right. That no, no, no. I, I'm that. like I, I, I admire Andy tremendously, and I think he's like a really sweet dude. Like I think he's super cool. But that's and that's like, that's part of the. You know, I mean, people are different. Everybody's, <laughs> everybody's, everybody has their thing that drives them. So, and that's what, like, you know, I'd much rather hear a record. Like, I'm always forever talking about, like, you know, who's could do records and how, you know, if you really put your engineer hat on, you're like oh, getting, yeah. getting, right? You're like getting that, you're getting the kick drum. So, like, day one, getting the kick drum sound. Hey, that's it. You know, yeah. there it is. That's the sound. Really? You know, yeah, that's whoa. That was what you maybe okay. you think about yeah. it, guys. <laughs> right. Does not matter. Does not matter one bit. Or like, or like, can, you know, all the awesome can songs. And you're like, man, where, what yeah. is Ooh, happening? But yeah, it yeah. works out. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Another record I wanted to ask about that you worked on, just because I've gotten a little bit of the other side with a former guest, Josh Newton, was a uh, Shiner, uh, the Egg, which I've kind of rediscovered when they when they did that uh, cool tour just recently, where they mm -hmm. like they had both drummers playing with them, right? And they, and they right. played like both, like, oh right, and yeah. it was super cool. Like it was just like, and it was nice to see like everyone kind of finding 
the love that they had for all this material and then playing with each other. But that's a mm-hmm. really weird kind of cool record that's almost a little out of time. And even for yeah. them, who it's not like they left their only good record, but like it's it's a very interesting, bizarre, cool record. So I was wondering if you had any remembrances of that that you could speak uh, I ha- to. I I have many memories of that record. That I like, or I mean. That's that's another record that had three producers, which is crazy, and it's like you know, <laughs> and it's many. cool that it, but it, but it, you know, I think it ended up working out when there, when when the division of labor was clear, you know, because, and it was great for me because like I learned a tremendous amount just watching Jason Livermore doing his thing, but like I think I was there, like I think my initial the sort of reason that I was invited in on that process was to be kind of like. I think I was kind of backing up Alan on the vocals because they had always he had always thought of the the, the vocals had the vocals had been had been thought of as a, a not an afterthought because that's not a cool way to say it but just like like to have somebody who's really paying attention to what's happening with the vocals in a way that hadn't happened in their recordings before. Sure, just um, more focused. Yeah, and and um, and sort of broad like performance things it was like sort of supposed to be me and jason but you know paul is an amazing producer and engineer and it's very it's very hard for him not to put that hat on you know i don't think he was he was it was not possible for him to just be the bass player because he's because well because he's got too much to offer in that you know in that like so um so it you know there were points in the making of that record where the process was kind of crowded but i think that like it you know i mean you know, it's but but it's the same thing. Like there, you know, that record was going to be awesome no matter who worked on it. I mean, um, but I'm, you know, I I feel like there are certain things. Like there's one, there's one thing that I'm, like I know I did on that record, which is really quotidian, but which I know made a difference. Which is that um, I was the only person who knew how to to edit two inch tape. So. Um, <laughs> Or who felt who felt confident to edit two inch tape? So right. there was a well, there was a song where where the uh, one of the songs I can't remember which one. Like when we were listening to playbacks, I think we were making rough mixes before we left Champagne to go to Kansas City to do the mix, and um, the tape machine kind of freaked out for a minute, and it put, the reels went in opposite directions, and the tapes kind of split. Oh, and, oh man. And part of the uh, oxide actually like peeled off the tape and fell on the floor. So there was this like like a bar of a bar of one song that was gone. Oh no! And um, so when we got to Kansas City, we had to. This is like the most boring story ever. But uh, but when we got to Kansas City, we had to like basically they had two tape machines, so we were able to bounce. We basically were able to do what you can do in Pro Tools now in like a second, where you just copy and paste. Right. We had right. to we had to basically bounce the song to a new reel, and then use the pr- a prior iteration of the part. It was like a little bridge before a chorus or something. Oh sure, yeah. You know, like it was like okay, the second time this happens in the song, it's completely fucked. So we have to take the first one and cut it. And put it in place of this, you know, copy it and put it in place of the second one. Okay, but like it, was, it literally, like it literally is like Command C, Command V in now in Pro Tools. But with, <laughs> but if you're doing it on two inch tape, it's like first we bounce the whole song over, so we have two copies, and then we then we take this this part, 
and slice it with a razor blade and put it together with tape and, and wow. like so okay so it was a re- it was uh, a repeat from the same song not a different tape. right it's the same it's the same part twice okay but if if i did nothing else on that record because you can never be <laughs> sure with like same thing i mean similar to the dismemberment plan it's like there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen because everyone is talented and smart and and applying themselves and they care um so if if i if, if I did nothing else of any value on that record, I know I did that two-inch edit, which, <laughs> which saved the song. Right, so, right which is great. Right. And no mean feat, yeah. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, otherwise, you know, it's like, you know, vo- vocal coaching and then, like, a lot of asking Jason, you know, so uh, what, what's your approach to tuning the kick drum? That sounds pretty good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, and the, the other um, one other band I wanted to ask about uh, nothing else because of the the link with, uh, with with my dude Tony Ash, who used to play in this band, uh, Coliseum. You have a, uh, you have mm-hmm. a good history with a, with Coliseum. That's a, that's yeah. A, I love Coliseum. Yeah, they're I love Ryan. I've, I've yeah, like Ryan's an ma- interesting major dude. major fan of that of that dude, and and uh, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, you know, like, and it's great, like a friend a friend that you know, happened through music, which is, which is pretty cool. So, and I mean, even from like, I remember recording, I had a really, really great time recording Black Cross. Um, cause I recorded Art Offensive, which is the first time that I worked with Ryan. And, um, and just, you know, the fact that we've been able to keep kind of coming back together to work on stuff is really, it means a great deal to me. And his new thing too, photo crime, I, I worked on that with him. Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't checked it out yet, uh, but I've, I'm interested for sure. Give, give that a listen. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 super good. It's really like, I mean, it's it was, I you know, it's I, I feel like it's a, an unfortunately like common thing that as people kind of grow creatively into like you know f- into the direction that they're going to go, particularly if they start in the hardcore scene, like a lot of times people don't always follow them in the, on the trajectory that where they really are developing their, what they're trying to, to do what's in them to do. Yeah. And, um, and <laughs> I, and I, I, yeah, right. I mean, that's right. Nobody heard of that before. Yeah, that's not really that anyone familiar. here would know anything about that. No, right. right. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I mean, I think that like that happened, although Coliseum was a, as, as a hardcore band in their sort of like discharge influenced, you know, first thing. I mean, they were, pretty fucking phenomenal band but i feel like in every stylistic move that they made they were able to do to do the thing they were doing to the hilt you know like i mean i just think they were an awesome band and that's another one of those bands that you just like point mics at them you know how you record them you point a microphone point microphones at them right because they just you know everything is already there like their sound is so awesome but like um but I think, you know, Photocrime, I think, is really, I mean, I'm super proud of Ryan because that's a, that is a real, that's a real step for him, you know, as a, as a songwriter and as, you know, somebody who's like, has a clear vision of what he wants to do. And, you know, and it's not, you know, I, you know, I mean, I, I just think like his material is super strong and like when they were, I just saw them play here in Baltimore actually. And it was like, it was so inspiring and I never like, I mean, I really love the drums and I love, you know, 
a great to see a great drummer play is really inspiring to me. Yeah. Photo crime doesn't photo crime doesn't have a drummer, and it was a fucking awesome show. Like <laughs> yeah, it's a I just, order. Yeah, I just thought like like what for to not have drums and to have like tracks as your rhythm, you know. And but the way that they manage their presentation and like the like the joy and the, like the commitment of their show, you know, like made it work. And it, yeah, they're awesome. They were awesome, and it just sounded great. And the songs are super good, you know. So, yeah, I think the last band that uh, that pulled that off with me and like landed it was probably Austerity Program, where I was just like, "Oh wow, this is yeah crazy." And yeah. of course, their their presentation so overwhelming that it's like you know, volume wise, you certainly don't miss the fact that it's, right. that there's no drummer there. Yeah. but like it's the song again. The songs are there, and yeah. they, the yeah. thing works because of it's this unified vision of just this. Yeah, that, that's right. I told I told Ryan it reminded me of like when I was a teenager and I would go to the old nine thirty club like in the in the eighties and you wouldn't you know you like and you would just see something that was like just alien enough that you're like whoa you know there's something <laughs> totally it, and and uh, and the, you know that's what it was like like it was a it was a really it was a good feeling I mean I'm super psyched for him I hope that it's I hope that people hear the hear it you know and and receive it the way that they should because it's i think it's awesome yeah well speaking of the 930 club we uh, you know last time we, we talked you know a little more in a uh, timeline sort of fashion about you know some of your earlier days and uh, you know working with the government issue and gis and and being in that band and interestingly one thing that it was brought up to me by a listener that i completely did not pick up on at the time or only picked up on in a very functional way is the fact that uh, you played the Scream with Dave Grohl in it. Yeah, for like a minute. For like two months, I was in Scream. I don't know how yeah. I missed that the first time. That's how, that's how like, engrossed in whatever it was we were talking about. I missed that completely. <laughs> like, Well, it, I mean, you know, it's not like, you know, I mean, it's not like, it's not like a historical, you know, like well, moment. I mean, it's a pretty big but it was, deal. But I mean, it was pretty important for me. It was a big deal because I, like, when G.I.s broke up, I mean, Scream was my favorite. Was really one of my favorite bands at that at that time. I used to like love to. I mean, I loved Scream. They were great. So, and um, and I knew that GIs were breaking up, and I knew that Skeeter had left Scream. So I went and tried out. And um, like the thing about like when I tried out for GIs when I was nineteen, and I really knew nothing. The form of the GI songs was very cut and dried. Mm, so yeah. to learn those songs. And also, some of the best GI songs, the bass line was like front and center, like the thing that kind of, I mean, the guitar was a powerful, you know, whatever, but like a lot of the hooks were in the bass or whatever. It was like much simpler, much more straightforward to, to learn the songs. And a lot of those songs were just like A, B, A, B, C, A, B, you know, or whatever it is. Like they're not, you know what I mean? Like, and, um, and for Scream, there's so much more subtlety and the bass lines were so much more acrobatic and like, like, you know, and it was a much more intimidating thing. And so I went and I did, there were like two people that auditioned and I, one, I was one of them. And I think they already knew that they were going to get the other guy. And coincidentally, the other guy was Ben Pape, who was a good friend of Pete Moffat, um, a drummer of GIs and, and had played in bands with Pete. And Ben years later ended up being in, um, uh, the touring version of Burning Airlines. He was like the other guitarist, uh, keyboard, utility guy. Okay, like super yeah, talented dude. Around. All right. 
So, but at, but at this time, like I didn't really know Ben that well, and he was just this kind of rock and roll guy with bell bottoms, and he was a phenomenal bass player, <laughs> and he was the other guy that tried out. So I was just like this punk kid that was in GIs, and I went to try out, and I just really choked, like I sucked, ah. and and I blew it. So then I I was like, well, I guess that probably didn't go that well, and I went home, and then Ben got in, they went on tour with Ben. And apparently they did, after a couple of weeks, they, they kind of didn't get along. And they got to L.A., and somebody from some label saw them play and kind of took Ben aside and said, okay, I'm, it was Rick Rubin's, like, people. Oh. We're like, we're, put, we're, we're starting this, we're doing this band project. Uh, what the fuck is it called? Was it The Four Horsemen? It was the Four Horsemen. He was like, okay, we're doing this, wow. this band project that's like Southern Rock with like ex-hardcore dudes, and we need a bass player, and you know what? Like, you're the guy. You've got the right look. you got the chops, blah, blah, blah. And Ben was like, wow, my ship's come in. You know, like, this is a big deal. Like, I'm going to, I mean, really, like, yeah. this yeah, is yeah. what. Which sounds ridiculous so, now, but I mean, at the time. I'm right, sure but like, at the time, sure. at the time, he's like, he's like, I'm on tour with these guys. We're not getting along, and now I just got, like, my golden ticket. So, so he left the band, and they were stranded in L.A., and literally, I was the only other guy that had tried out. So they called me, and I was like, fuck yes. And I quit my job, <laughs> and I got on a plane, and I went to, uh, I went and met them in Northern California somewhere, and like practiced for two days in the back of somebody's, I can't remember what it was, like in the back of a record shop or something. But, but basically, we just like practiced and just started playing and went across Canada and came down through the Midwest and... Um, and it was super fucking fun. It was so cool. It was so different than playing in GIs. I mean, GIs was the only band that I ever really played in, and and we were we were a very tightly organized like like with GIs. It's like like because John Stab and I say this with the greatest love and respect was such a merchant of chaos. Like his <laughs> his whole like. You know, like, his whole approach was, like, to be, like, he was this wild card and not really tied down to, like, executing the musical thing that was happening on stage. He was, like, right. he was the front man and kind of kind of court jester, like, crazy sure. element. In the great tradition so, of, like, Iggy and the Stooges. Uh, right. You know, so uh, for the, for the birthday party, yeah. Right. So for the rest of us, it was, like, no, our job is, like, we're a fucking machine. Like, we're going to be on it. And we were so serious about it, like... You know, we got, we were, I mean, we were, we were intense about being very tight and very, and like powerful. And like, we got to, we got to a point where we, we wouldn't count off songs. You know, we were like, let's just see if we can start these songs without counting and just look at each other and go, mm, you know? And so like we were, we had, we had this thing and there was never, there was not a great deal of spontaneity in government issue in our, in what we were going to do. We were like go by the set list, do, you know, I mean, it was just, we were, we were fucking serious and intense about it because John could provide all the insanity and like all the swirling loose madness, you know? Right. You needed to be the whereas, for, or the ballast. Right. Rather. Whereas, <laughs> right. Whereas like with Scream, like they were like, every, like everything was not that everything was up for grabs because they were the fucking great, you know, they were a super tight, like awesome band as well, but they were much more freewheeling and and I never was had been in that kind of a band before, and it was so fun. Like, Different environment, yeah. 
Yeah, it was just like like really really like you know learning a cover at Soundcheck. I mean, it sounds like nothing, but for me at that time it was a big deal. It's like, why don't we play Melody Lee? You know, why don't we play? Uh, like I remember Pete still playing in Rockford, Illinois, and Pete Stahl was like, "Hey Franz, you you want to play Ballroom Blitz tonight?" <laughs> Franz is like, "Yeah, sure." And I'm like, "But Pete, but Pete, I don't know Ballroom Blitz." And he goes, "Jay, everybody knows Ballroom Blitz." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and I and I was like, okay, but I made him go through it with me. I was like, I was like, please just sit with me and like let me like sing the song and let me play through it one time, please, because I didn't want to fuck up, you know. Right, right, yeah. But like, Everyone like which was a lot. Everyone Robbins you know? knows it apparently. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you know, I, no, I mean, I knew it. But, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Everybody knows Ballroom Blitz. That's like, That's but you know, and but so that I mean, it was really super fun. Like, I loved that about playing with those guys, and and also like. I remember this about playing with Dave that like he's the only drummer that I'd ever played with where he he had like such he had like this command of the tempo in a way that he would use it to create tension. So like there were songs there's like uh Walking by Myself where it's like they'd get to the last part of the bridge right before the big like explosion of the riff at the end and he would just slow it way down and i would be like what is happening you know <laughs> it's like you're um, traveling or something <laughs> yeah and like it was super cool i mean i that you know but i mean in in the end i think what what really happened for me was that um well two two things happened for them one is we got home well for so for me like we got home from this tour it was super fun i was like I can't believe i'm playing in scream and but nobody ever kind of said to me like there was never an acknowledgement from those guys that I that I kind of like I a little bit saved their ass because they were <laughs> right, stuck yeah. like they, they were they stuck were in California yeah. yeah right and which is like it's not as if I'm you know require anything in particular just like a, like it would have been cool from my perspective for somebody to say hey so this actually worked out pretty good huh do you want to do you want to play in the band. But nobody ever really, it was like a lot of unspoken stuff, so they just kind of kept booking gigs, and I kept playing with them. But then Skeeter, then Skeeter kind of came back into the picture, and at that point I was like, you know, as a Scream fan, Skeeter is the bass player of Scream. Yeah. Like, maybe, you know, a second guitar player can come and go, okay, Kent was an amazing drummer, Dave's an amazing drummer, it's still Scream, but... If Skeeter's not in the band, is it really Scream? Like, it's weird. And then, at the same time, I thought, like, am I just going to be this young guy that keeps joining old guy bands that have been together? Like, <laughs> right, right. Am I just like a dude, that, a dude that joins his favorite bands? Right. And that Which was not really... things in life, but still. <laughs> right. But so, and at that point, I, I was like, I was like, you know, I, uh, Kim and I were together, and she wanted to start a band, and I was like, I wanted to start a band because that was like more you know like I'm, I'm like okay this is a this is obviously central to my life like i'm gonna right. play in i'm gonna play in bands and all the really great bands are not like it's about this thing that you grow from you know that's homegrown that you so start from from scratch and right and right. do with and and do do with do it with what you have and so i was like rather than be the dude that the young dude that just keeps joining these bands that have been around you know, I shouldn't really, I, sh I can't be the bass player and scream and look, here's Skeeter and he's, he's back. And so it just kind of like, it's weird because there was never a discussion in my memory. It just kind of like, 
in my mind it just kind of faded out that like like yeah i'm gonna do this this new band this is really where i want to put my energy and scream is scream with skeeter in the band like that's how it's supposed to that's correct you know that, that was so, there and you weren't you, so, you weren't you weren't leaving yeah them to yeah it's not really there. it's not really my life like yeah like scream is not like part of my life so yeah. except as a fan like that's i was just like a lucky fan i got to play and scream so but um um and it's really only like two months of my life but it is weird to me to think periodically i'm like you know, because I could probably like now, like I could see Dave and go like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" And then we'll, we could probably talk for like five minutes. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. You know, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> yeah, but um, but you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm really lucky. Like, I got to play in Peg Boy as well, which is right. Like, yeah, you know, with John Haggerty and with John is like, you know, what like my guitar, one of my idols of music. You know, so, but I'm very, I'm very lucky that I got to play with a lot of people that I admire well ultimately that led to the beginning of Jawbox too and that's we covered a lot of that in the in, in the previous yeah. episode but that's kind of how you, you you started heading down that path which is interesting so I, and it's, i know it's, it's kind of almost like you were like like the the tradition of the jazz like sidemen where you start off you know uh, uh miles davis is playing with charlie parker and then it's time for him to start leading dates and <laughs> kind of kind of out like that i kind of i guess <laughs> you're like a shabby miles davis Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with all the love. Yeah. Understand. Right, yeah. So, and this nice. is, this is this is something that might be that may be like a weird subject to broach. But do you hear the influence of the kind of thing that you did in Jawbox in uh, other music today? Because one of the bands we were talking about uh, before we had you on at, at, at the jump of the show, we were talking about All Tomorrow's Impeachments, and I was talking about how much I love the band Nonagon. And one of the first things I thought of when I first uh, saw and heard Nonagon was like, oh, man, that's awesome. Like, this band is totally doing, like, a kind of Fugazi Hoover thing. But there's a healthy helping of what Jawbox did For with sure. what they do. And not in a rip-off-y way or anything, but just like, oh, that's totally informed by that. Mm-hmm. And then talking mm-hmm. to John Hasty is like, oh, yeah, one of my favorite bands. It's amazing. Oh, and, that's nice. And I was wondering, is that something that, that, that you hear? I mean, because coming out from, you know, I think you characterize it as, like, you know, the uh, – the, the one guitar, like, coming in drunken to the party last episode. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and maybe, if not sabotaging the song, certainly affecting it in a way that was like a battle for dominance. Uh, but that obviously yeah. characterized the sound of the band, which was very influential mm. and, and certainly interesting enough that, uh, you know, folks are informed by it. So is that something that, that you hear? Like, how do, you, do you ever hear that in other bands? Is it something that you feel is... <sighs> no, no, I... I... I mean, maybe if it's really, if it's really, maybe sometimes if it's, if it seems really overt and it's, you know, people that I, maybe if it, (laughs) no, 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 no. But it's like, like, I mean, uh, but truthfully in a, in like a much bigger way, uh, you know, I mean, I know who we were ripping off at any given moment. I know who, who we were, you know, what was the springboard for particular ideas of, of ours. And I think that that's true for, just about everybody I know For in, sure. in music, you know, like, and sometimes it's really overt and you can really tell, you know, even, even in records that you love, even bands that you, bands that you know, you know, you grew up listening to sooner or later, if you sort of delve into their influences, you have an aha moment where you're like, Oh, listen to that, you know? And, uh, you know, because, because they, 
you know, it's just like a big pool of like, there's so much music in the world. It's like, and if something speaks to you and you're trying to, and you want to contribute, it's like a conversation that everybody wants to contribute to. And you're trying to figure out the language, you know, like, like there's a thing that grabs you. You want to, you know, how did they do that? Oh, I'm going to learn that thing. And then like, you're, you know, so I, I think like, I know that there are a lot of bands that are pulling from the same pool of influences that we pulled from, you know? Sure. And some of so them are pulling I, from you, too. As yeah. well. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, may, uh, that's nice to, it's nice to think that that's true, but like... No, I'll confirm it. You know, they're pulling from you. Okay, good. <laughs> like, but I mean, it, you know, I don't know. No, I, I know what you're I, saying. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're being just, very Just because I, yeah. I know where, you know, because I know where... Um, you know what the I know what we were drawing on yeah. you know and it wasn't sure. that's one of the cool things it's like it's one of the cool things about a band if it's a really collaborative band it's that same thing with the dismemberment plan you know like somebody like four different people pulling from four different sets of of, of influences you know and the the totality is something new and sometimes it's more the source inspiration is more recognizable than other times you know sure but you know it's it's better like jawbox got way better when zach joined because he because he brought all these influences that were not in the mix earlier they weren't there before right right like like it's like you know and the drums the rhythm became a central component instead of something that just backs up the guitar yeah like so you know i mean but but we did, we did not invent doing that, you know. <laughs> like so. No, but the, I mean, you certainly but, had an authority to it, and, and you had your your own voice, just like most great bands do, you know. It's, well, and if it was from us, like a certain pool, it was you know, it was a again, like it was the individuals bringing in those influences. So it's a unique combination, and then that yeah. becomes part of someone else's unique combination. Right. Sure. I mean, that's what I think is. That's why. That's I love that. That's like that's yeah. that's what it is. That's what it's supposed. To, that's that's one of the main thrills of the whole thing is that it's like a like an ongoing dialogue for sure with with you know stuff that came before and people that are continuing to do stuff and you know the fact that it's like the fact that it's a counterculture like like by definition it's a counterculture you know and then you can also have the the complex and annoying discussion about just how counter it really is you know or whatever but like you you know like 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 to me it it's it's like this is a discussion about creating your own culture that's apart from the mainstream, right. and it, you know, and all the elements of these, you know, say that it's music that you're making. All those elements are there to be to be uh, not recycled is the wrong word, but like it's a conversation, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, right, right. It's yeah, it's like those, those elements are not like you don't just like discard them. There is no you know um it's ingredients that you can yeah. use yeah yeah i mean why why wouldn't why wouldn't you have you have to have a starting a starting point for sure yeah yeah but i was always interested in uh certainly how there was a connection with some like heavier bands as well because uh when uh when i started in college radio it was just when the uh, self-titled album was out and the uh the, the kids that ran the metal show just loved that record oh that's funny <laughs> it was interesting and then and then running into like 
like a band like Deftones doing a cover of Savory mm-hmm. or something like that. Oh yeah, well, they, I think they did that. that. They did that because of Jonah, though. Like Jonah was oh, yeah? uh, because Farrell was on tour with Deftones. Okay. And Jonah, I think Jonah was the person who introduced them to that song, and they were like, oh, you know, like like they liked it, and that was he was the guy who got them covering it. They would do it as a um, on when they tour when Far and Deftones toured together, they would do it uh, in the Deftones encore. And then in the break, they would switch members. So it would start with Deftones playing, and it would end with like members of Far, oh, like awesome. joining them or swapping places. Yeah, I was gonna say Jonah from Far yeah. is like the Kevin Bacon of uh, the <laughs> yeah. Smoke Noise Rock World. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> but it's but it's definitely. I mean, I'm like, you know, that does that does kind of blow my mind a little bit that the Deftones covered a song that I wrote. I'm like, yeah. really? Wow. But. Well, it's a conversation, you know, and and I'm yeah. I'm eager for this uh, the solo record of yours. It's it's inching its way towards completion to be yeah, have that conversation as well. You are not as eager as I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very eager for it to happen, just because I'm like you know I don't know. I mean I think it's going to be okay. I think it's going to be pretty good. But like I don't know when I'm going to be able to finish it because everybody's out. Like Brooks, who plays bass, is out uh, on Warp Tour right now with War on Women and. Um, and uh, Pete Moffat, the drummer, is out doing his gig drum teching for Kelly Clarkson. And Gordon, Gordon's just moved to the West Coast, and so you know, it's kind of you know, and a time allows project becomes less having less time. Right. This is how all of a sudden it's three and a half years later, and I'm like, Jesus, I really thought this thing was going to be done by now. But hopefully, <laughs> by, I'm hoping by the end of the year, by the end of the fall, or at least by the end of the year at latest, I'll have it finished and i can with any luck put it out in the spring and maybe play some shows that's that would be pretty nice well we're looking forward to hearing it and uh it's been it's been great having you on again man thanks for thanks for agreeing to do it this is uh thank you very much i really appreciate the invitation it's fun and uh we managed to get through the whole thing and we didn't talk about the uh the the hair piece in the white house (laughs) (laughs) it is refreshing i really it's refreshing i really appreciate it i'm still like Dude, I'm still exhausted because I stayed up for the healthcare vote. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, I was like, but it's between the healthcare vote and like the whole shining fest that I had. I'm just like a complete exhausted well, nervous wreck. It's bizarre and compelling to watch. <laughs> yeah. In very yeah. different ways. So you got to be in a weird yes. space right now. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. I'm. I'm totally scrambled. <laughs> but. Well, you guys, I really uh, I appreciate it a lot. Thanks for uh, yeah. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks so much for being on the show so. again, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon. Oh, awesome! I hope so. All right, James. Take care. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Uh, there he goes, the man himself, oh. Mr. J. Robbins. That was fun. I like that guy. Yeah. Let's listen to a song.
Yes, indeed. The shaking stopped. And you are still here. We thank you. Uh, that's uh, Won't Come Off by Jawbox. What a great song. What a great band. What a great, great tune. Guy. Yeah, great, great song, band, dude, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum. Um, I didn't even pull Roll Kicker Lake. <laughs> you were saving that the whole time. I know. And you totally didn't. Oh, holy crap. <sighs> Next time. Next time. Exactly. Uh, great dude. Um, real real great to have him on again. Appreciate the time. jrobbins.bandcamp.com to get uh, the, the reworked, re, redone version of uh, static. Re- rewritten. Rewritten. Re- reimagined. Uh, along with on our own <laughs> devices, which is great. And I guess that's a loop. So that's that's, that's got exclusive there. That's great. That's good. That's uh, great. Great tunes. You get two bucks, man. Come on. Go it's get deal. that. Go get it. It's an absolute deal. A steal. Bargain it twice the price. <laughs> we can... Um, and then just be looking out for more Jay Robbins stuff coming up. There's a there's a bunch of it. Ple- pleasure to have him on the show as always. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I don't, know, I don't know if I have anything to say about that. It's a good dude. Yeah, great. Glad, glad great. he's doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I meta reference politics at the end, and we still talked about it, even though it was a meta reference. But uh, yeah, he's he's uh, um, <laughs> signing off. Was good. Yeah. I suppose there was plenty we could have brought up about uh, sure was. healthcare and all that. And then, you know what? <laughs> it was kind of okay to not do that for a couple hours. Kind of felt good. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this show's called Protonic Reversal. Normally airs Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, I've got 7 Central, 5 Pacific. Oh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in for our special live edition. watts of power. Or not, if you're listening to it later. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're listening to it later, go fuck yourself. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Radio, <laughs> not really. That's it. With love. Go love yourself. Radioneutron.com for the archives. Uh, a bunch of cool stuff coming up. Um, this microphone anything else? You got anything? Turns sound uh, no. Electricity. Fair enough. Have a good August. Not that we're not going to be in it, but have a good August anyway. <laughs> have, a good, have a good August either way. You know. you slice it. Catch you later. Got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, 